Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. We are so glad you're here. Let's get to it. Hey guys, I'm excited today because I get to talk with Jeff Brown. He is an author, speaker, and he runs this fantastic podcast called Read to Lead, which I highly recommend. Been nominated for a lot of really great podcast awards. He's somebody who lives in Nashville, you know, or Franklin down south with me. And um, we have a little bit of a history together, which I'll get to in a second. So Jeff's really well known for a lot of these types of things. One of the things he's not really well known for is his ability to unload a moving truck. And um, <laughs> so many years ago, we were helping a mutual friend move. And um, Jeff and I hung out in the middle of probably August on one of the hottest days of the year inside of a U-Haul packing this thing. It was like being in an oven and we both sweat probably five pounds of sweat that day and had a blast <laughs> doing it. And we bonded because when you do that with another guy, it's like, all right, we're, we're connected here. So Jeff, thank you for taking a few minutes to come chat with us today. I am excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Bob. And, and I never knew that five or six or how many guys it was would come together and it would still take the better part of a day to get one family moved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that says something about our friend Andy, but we'll um, we'll save that for our <laughs> later date. Anyway. So yeah, Jeff just released this book, same name as the podcast called Read to Lead. And I'm really excited about it because I love reading. I actually have had to overcome a dislike for reading for a long time because school, um, unfortunately, kind of beat it out of me because I was forced to read and forced to read things I didn't like. And I learned to dislike reading as I grew up. And once I got out of school, I slowly found my way back into the benefits of reading. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about that today. Jeff, I want to ask you the question that might be obvious at this point, but what's the single best thing that you can do to improve yourself professionally? <laughs> well, in my book, it's definitely reading. And, and my experience mirrors yours tremendously. I, I had the desire to read, the desire to learn educated out of me by school and spent the yeah. better part of my 20s not reading uh, at all. It wasn't until my early 30s when I sort of had that fire, that love for reading I had as a child rekindled sort of serendipitously through uh, the efforts of, of the leader that I worked for at the time and Seth Godin. And I got introduced to Purple Cow back in 2003 yep. and Great book. loved it. And, and my reading journey began really there as an adult. And I've been a voracious reader uh, ever since then. Yeah. You started this podcast, what, like eight years ago or something? Yeah. You've been yeah. doing this? And so you started falling in love with reading, started seeing the benefits of it that led you to start the podcast and ultimately write the book. Yeah. I didn't know that it was going to become a book eventually, but after about 10 years of being a pretty avid reader, podcast was something that I wanted to explore. But for several years, I wasn't really sure what I would podcast about. I was like, what would people listen to me for? Yeah. As I was tracking my reading goals early one year, I guess it was 2013, 
I was adding up the books I had read three months into the year and realized I'd read about a book a week. And that kind of surprised me. I didn't realize I was reading at that pace until about three months into the year. Yeah. And when I had that thought, a, a light bulb went off. I thought maybe that's the idea for the podcast I've been looking for. I love to read. I read every week. Most of the podcasts I listened to were weekly podcasts. You know, I thought maybe I could get some free books out of it. And how cool would it be to, <laughs> to have conversations with these authors? And maybe through this process, I could create a way, much like you know, book summaries do, uh, sort of an audio cliffs notes and, and be mm -hmm. a way for people to have an on-ramp to books or audition books, if you will. Yep. Yeah. One of the things that I think you talk about in the book is why you need to read like your career depends on it. I have some thoughts on this, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. Mm -hmm. I found in my personal career, my personal journey, that my career didn't begin to take off until I was practicing this habit. And I found, Bob, and I think this is still the case 20 years, 18, 20 years later, that when you practice this habit, you will be one of the few people doing it. And as I practiced it and began to then execute and, and experiment with what I was learning through the books I was reading, the funny thing is, is the things that I tried that failed were quickly forgotten. But the things that I tried based on what I was reading that worked got me noticed. And yeah. as I got noticed, I got more and more opportunities to do more and more things. Yeah. Yeah. I went to school for business. I ended up getting mm. a four-year business degree. And so when I tell people that I run my own business, you know, they're like, oh, what would you go to college for? It's like, but business. So, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. And I'm like, well, not, not really. Like, I know it seems like it, but in reality, if I look at any hints of success that I've had with anything in business, to be honest, it didn't come from school. It came from the books that I read after I graduated, <laughs> the books that I paid $15 for or $20 for instead of $150 textbooks that mm. were kind of outdated in my college curriculum and stuff. You know, and that's what I've always tried to encourage people in is like the benefits of reading. And then, you know, so, you know, we talk about finances a lot around here. And so it's been the same way with my financial journey. Like I was such a mess financially 15, 20 years ago, but the books that I've read, you know, outside of God's grace, like have been the number one catalyst that have moved us forward on our journey and helped us be in a completely different place than we were all those years ago. So I'm a huge proponent um, and always advocating for people to just continue to read. And I know you, you probably do too, some adults who haven't read a book in a decade, you know, mm -hmm. and it's so sad to me because it's such a potential for growth. Yeah. And such a uh, relatively easy one. It's the easiest, cheapest, simplest way I know of to further your personal and professional development. You, know, you hinted at this, but one thing I'm a big fan of is using books to create a curriculum for yourself rather yeah. than going back to school, rather than mm -hmm. spending all that money. Uh, and I've done this a couple of times in my career related to, uh, you know, when social media was first coming on strong about 15 or so years ago, 17 years ago, whatever that was. And I was in a profession, a radio, where we were trying to sort of get a handle on what this means for our industry. How is this going to disrupt us? How are we going to leverage these tools to you know, more intimately connect with our listeners and all those kinds of things? I created a curriculum for myself. And that was some of that experimentation I began doing that I yep. talked about that got me noticed. And as that got me noticed, I began being asked to then go present to other factions within the company to share my findings. And so then I thought, well, now I need to read about public speaking because that's not something I've done very much of. Yep. And that journey, that curriculum led me to aiding the president of the company in creating his presentation that he would leverage to share his vision for the company for the next 10 mm -hmm. years. 
So none of those things would have happened or been possible had I not been creating that curriculum for myself. So what's really cool about that, and I'm making an assumption here, but when you say you built this curriculum, my assumption is, and yeah, I, I want to hear what it is, but how many books are in this curriculum that you built? Was yeah, this like does, 50 books or was this five to 10? Yeah, it's much fewer than you think. Uh, so in the first instance, probably three or four with regard to social media and social media marketing. Mm-hmm. And then in the case of public speaking, initially it was just two. It was Gar Reynolds' presentation Zen and it was Nancy Duarte's Slideology. I started with presentation design because when I started, I was fearful of public speaking and there weren't any, at least not that I was aware of, books on that topic specifically, the fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. So I deduced that I would feel a lot more confident presenting if I felt good about my slides. Plus, maybe they'd be looking at those instead of looking at me. (laughs) I don't think that's necessarily great advice for public speaking necessarily. But but for me at the time, that's what I felt I needed. And so I started with those two books. Now, since then, I've read probably 25 or 30 books on public speaking spanning the last 18, 20 years. But in the early going, it was just a handful. What's so cool about that that I think most people miss is... So reading two books or three to four books, like this isn't a year-long investment. This is literally something that you could do in a week. You can read two books in a week. You can spend 10, 15 hours and knock out two books on a subject and have such an advantage over everyone else, whatever, in your uh, industry or Mm. like, that's what I love so much about the power of reading a good book, but even any book, just like continue to expand your understanding because it just gives you such a head start. And I think most people think, oh, I need to go get like a four-year degree to do this thing. And it's like, you read two books and they set you apart from everyone else and just led you down this path of becoming an expert in this thing. And, you know, like you said, you continue to learn and continue to read, but that initial starting point is just not nearly as intense and as big a deal as I think a lot of people think. Yeah. Yeah. There's more work that comes after, you know, in the actual doing, uh, you know, because it's not enough to just read and fill your head with facts and knowledge. And if that's all you do, you're kind of wasting everybody's time. But once you start taking action on the executing what you've learned and experimenting, as I talked about, that's where the real work uh, begins and where you truly are able to show off a little bit and uh, demonstrate uh, your knowledge along the way. Yeah. So one of the things you talk about in the book is technique that you use to double or triple your reading speed. Can we talk about this? Uh, Sure, sure. My co-author, Jesse Wisniewski, is the expert when it comes to speed reading specifically. However, Mm -hmm. um, one particular technique that we talk about in the book that I'm particularly fond of that is quite useful when it comes to uh, reading nonfiction, and that is this idea of skimming. Now, on the surface, skimming sounds obvious, but there's a a technique to it, again, related to nonfiction that I think is pretty powerful. And so when it starts with nonfiction, I recommend that the first thing you do is sort of begin with the end in mind, as Stephen R. Covey is famous for saying, and that is decide on a book you're about to read, why are you reading it? What is it that you want to get out of that book? What's the goal of sitting down and reading it in the first place? Write that down, identify that. Once you've done that, That now informs where you're going to begin in that book, which isn't necessarily with chapter number one. Mm -hmm. Look at the table of contents and make a decision as to what chapter or chapters really seem to speak at this goal I've set for myself, the purpose I'm reading this book in the first place, and start there. Uh, And that may mean reading just three or four chapters from the book, and then you're done because you got what you needed. You got got the Mm -hmm. goal. You met the goal. From there... Start at the beginning of one of these chapters and read just the headings and the subheadings and go from beginning to the end 
of the chapter and familiarize yourself with the points that the author is making in this particular section of the book. And then go back to the beginning of that same chapter and allow yourself to read the first and last sentence from each paragraph. And you'll find once you've done that for that whole chapter that you now are able to comprehend and even better retain, comprehend, of course, understand, retain, remember about 80% of the meat of that chapter. That's how most nonfiction books are typically structured and the way we structured our book. You can consume it in that way. Now, long-term, that's not uh, something that I would prescribe, especially for books that you do plan to take specific actions on. But, but in a pinch, you know, uh, in the 11th hour and you've got to get it done, you need to get through it. That's, that's one great technique for doing that. And again, you walk away with most of the key insights and main ideas in the process. All right. So there's two thoughts that I have about this. So number one, what I like about this, I have a stack over here of probably 20 or 30 books that I want to get to that in my phase of life, I'm not able to read as much. That's what I like about that. It's because some of these books, I don't know if they're great or not. Like I think they might be, but I like this technique because it allows me to move through quicker and kind of evaluate. Um, And anyway, and the second point that I think is really important for someone like me who struggled with reading Uh, This was another thing I was hung up on. I always felt like, and this is because of school, (laughs) that if I don't read every page, every chapter, if I don't finish the book, then I've failed. And that's Mm. that I did not accomplish the goal. And that's something just in the last few years, honestly, I've begun to get some freedom on kind of doing what you're talking about, where it's like, I will actually pick and choose chapters that I want. And sometimes I'll go back and go through the whole thing. But by giving myself the freedom to not have to read every page or every single chapter, it takes so much pressure off. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. And and I believe I've gotten to a place finally, because I used to be just like that, what you're talking about. I got to a place finally where I give myself the freedom of, you know, going on Goodreads or whatever and marking that book as read, even if it only <laughs> yep. means three or four chapters, because again, I got out of it what I set to get out of it. I think it's yep. okay then to mark that as, as one, you've, one you've actually read. Read doesn't necessarily have to mean finished verbatim. Yep. Uh, read can mean getting out of it what you set to get out of it. Yeah. And that's such a small and silly point for some <laughs> people, but there's plenty of us who are like, oh, I don't know if I should check it because I didn't read every single page. <laughs> like it, feel, it feels... Ugh having the permission to say, yes, I read this book because I got out of it what I want. Like it's really liberating. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk a little bit about the habit of reading Mm -hmm. and what this looks like for you, what you've learned. I mean, you've been talking about this for a long time. How would you encourage someone who doesn't have a great reading habit to create a better reading habit? The thing to think about at first is to start with what interests you. Uh, I think James Clear says in his book, Atomic Habits, if you read toward your interests, and I'm paraphrasing, you'll never be yeah. bored. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people miss that. That they think that reading about things that interest them is somehow cheating. <laughs> you know, I remember walking in and seeing my boss years ago at his desk reading and thinking that he was goofing off. That was my attitude toward yeah. reading. And sometimes, if it interests us, or if it's not hard but it's enjoyable, that it's, it's somehow cheating. Let let yeah. go of that. So start with interest. Think about the people that fascinate you the topics or disciplines or skills that fascinate you, maybe the places or the times in history that fascinate you and start there. And then that will inevitably prompt you to your interest to branch out from there and going directions that you would have never have foreseen otherwise. So that's where I'd begin. A lot of people say to me, Jeff, I want to be able to read you know, a book a week or a book a month, and I just can't seem to make that happen. How do you do it? How do you read a book a week? 
And one of the first questions I'll ask back to them sort of in jest is, hey, before we get to that, tell me about some of your favorite TV shows, because I'd love to know what some of those are. And when they get to about TV show number three or four, they go, oh, I see. I see what you did there. (laughs) You, you, You might be, you know, there might be some things you're doing that you do hours a day that are taking away from other opportunities to do more impactful things. Now, I'm not saying that you know watching television is bad. I've got my Netflix and Hulu and whatever subscriptions too. Yeah. But I've also put reading as a place in my life of high enough importance that I actually schedule time to do it. Now, I was sharing that with somebody earlier this week and they were like, I love reading so much. I just do it without having to think about it. It's the other things that I have to schedule that reading would get in the way of. And if that's you, great. But if you're struggling with making reading a priority, my recommendation is to schedule it and protect it like you would any other meeting or appointment. Only then is it taking that place of importance that it probably needs in your life. And so when someone comes to me and asks for a piece of my time, if that time overlaps with time I've set aside to read, I can make a choice. I can decide to acquiesce and give up that reading time Uh, knowing I might make it up later or what have you. Or I can look at that on my schedule and go back to that person, Bob, and say, well, you know, I've got an appointment at that time. Can we do this a different time? So treat appointments with yourself, especially appointments having to do with reading, just like you would treat any other appointment. And and we're in this mindset, I think, a lot of us of, of when someone asks for our time, not that we shouldn't be helpful and participate where needed, but oftentimes when someone asks for our time, we default to yes. And if we say no, we feel like we have to defend no to that person. When no can be a complete sentence, surprise. And I think instead we need to learn to default to no. And if we are going to say yes, we need to be able to defend yes to ourselves. Yep. As you're saying, I was thinking about Stephen Covey. But yeah, like this whole idea of it's just fascinating. As we're talking about this, like I'm I'm just working, I'm realizing and working through all these things that I've developed in school that have affected my reading which have, you know, like we talked about the benefits of reading have affected Mm. the rest of my life because of some of these simple mindsets and some of these Mm. guilted things and, you know, a little bit of a tangent here, but yeah, when we're talking about scheduling things, I think there's so many people who struggle with this, just this idea of, well, this is reading. This isn't important. And, oh, this is a Stephen Covey thing I was talking about. Like just the idea of the big rocks versus Mm. the small rocks, you know, the things that aren't urgent, but they're actually really important. You know, and reading is one of those things that should be, um, you know, if we really want to advance and grow in our career and our business and our spiritual maturity or any other way, like reading should be part of that equation. And so it is very important, even though it's not urgent in most cases, like, Mm. you know, and so, so many of us, especially in 21st century world where it's just nonstop distractions, like we default to whatever is urgent. And so we're just running towards wherever the fires are and taking them out, you know, rather than having the boldness to say, no, I'm busy. You know, I can't make this appointment because I'm reading, you know, and you don't have to tell people that, but <laughs> yeah. it's like, I have an appointment. I have an appointment with myself to read. This is what I do on this day at this time and schedule. And I think the person who does not read is living. I'm going to just say it arrogantly. A person who says, I don't uh, need to read, or I don't want to read is basically saying, I don't need to think. Wow. I love uh, that. It, you know, one of the things uh, I wanted to touch on this too, because basically I feel like we've mostly been talking through the lens of nonfiction. Mm. You know, I've found some people that I've talked to who I've tried to encourage more in the direction of reading, uh, you know, and, and it might be different for each person, but, but I found that some people like reading fiction 
can be a better on-ramp to the mm-hmm. habit of reading because, you know, essentially what you're doing is like, you're watching a movie. Like if it's a great piece of fiction, like you're essentially watching a movie in your mind's mm-hmm. eye. And, and many times it's more, it's better than you could see on Netflix or anything else. And so, you know, you get a really good fiction book. Like it's hard to put it down and that can be a mm-hmm. good kind of on-ramp to the habit. Don't you think? I absolutely agree. And I think it's often missed in studies and research uh, backs this up that reading fiction can be great for improving creativity, for empathy. You know, you begin to see uh, perspectives from the perspectives of different characters in a story. And these skills or these things that, that you read about, these characters you read about, sometimes you don't even realize you're learning something from that reading and transferring it to real life. Suddenly you have empathy yeah. for that person over there in part because of that story you read where there was someone in a similar situation that you had empathy for. So so fiction is great for many of the soft skills too, creativity and communication, a chief among them. Yeah. I personally do not read much fiction and I want to read more. It's just, I just haven't really developed a really strong habit of doing it, but I've noticed, and I remember hearing, I forgot who, but a couple of different people talk about it. It seems logical that if you want to learn a skill, if you want to, whatever, a lot of things we're talking about, like mm. you should read nonfiction, specifically teaching about this topic. But, you know, there are arguments presented that, you know, and you kind of hinted to this, that you can learn a lot of these lessons through fiction. And in some cases, a whole lot better through fiction, through mm. hearing a story. Like, you know, and we all know how important stories are in getting us to remember and hang on to a concept or idea. So anyway, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, no, I, I totally agree. Fiction, uh, as we were saying earlier, is often overlooked, you know, and nonfiction too doesn't necessarily mean to that side of the equation. You know, we, we tend to think that, uh, well, reading nonfiction means I've got a to-do list whenever I finish, right? Of these things yeah. to go out and execute. And I mentioned some of that earlier about the importance of taking action on what you're learning. But sometimes we're reading even nonfiction just for how it impacts our thinking, right? Yeah. It's okay to read nonfiction and fiction for just how it impacts your thinking and and not to have necessarily a to-do list that comes after. Yeah. Speaking of nonfiction that I think some people don't think of in terms of nonfiction books, but like biographies, you know, where it's essentially a story, but a real story. And I Mm -hmm. remember um, Andy Andrews, author, you know, sold millions of books or whatever. Apparently he was homeless living on the beach. And this was his on-ramp. Like he just started reading biography after biography of really successful men and women. And that just started affecting his thinking, just reading how some of these brilliant, um, really successful people in the past have Mm -hmm. thought. And so there's, you know, real power in that, even though it's not a, whatever, five steps to do this thing, (laughs) just reading Mm -hmm. someone's life and their journey and their story can be really powerful. It's one of my favorite genres. I've I've read uh, the Steve Jobs and Benjamin Franklin biographies written by Walter Isaacson and another yeah. author who's written a number of biographies on creative people. Speaking of which, uh, is Brian J. Jones, and I'm reading a biography wrote on uh, George Lucas. He's also mm-hmm. written biographies on uh, Theodore Geisel, uh, Dr. Seuss, which I've read, and uh, Jim Henson from the Muppets, among others. That's cool. Yeah, and that's another area where I've read a handful of biographies, and every time I do. I can see some of their thinking like seeping in. And so, yeah, I want more of that. I want to add more of that to my list. But (laughs) Jim Rome has a quote that I love. He said, the difference between where you are today and where you'll be in five years from now will be found in the quality of the books you've read. Like, well said. So, (laughs) Man after my own heart. (laughs) Yeah. So your book comes out August 31st. Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. pre-order now. 
I think you have bonuses and stuff. Is there a website that people go to to get any of that? Yeah, it's readtoleadbook.com. And you can actually right now when you choose our publisher, Baker Books, when you go to readtoleadbook.com as your vendor, as the place you order the book from, it's 40% off from Baker. Oh, that's I awesome. didn't know they were going to do that. So, And that's only through up until August 31st. So if you're hearing okay. this before then, readtoleadbook.com, get 40% off. And then the uh, bonuses include a mini course that my co-author Jesse and I have put together. There's a bonus chapter that wasn't included, not because it's not good, but wasn't included because Jeff didn't get it done in time. Uh, that has turned out to be my <laughs> wife's favorite chapter of all. And so yeah. only the people who pre-order the book are going to get that. You get the audiobook for free. So if you're an audiobook fan, pre-order the physical book. Know you're going to get the audiobook absolutely free. There's some other stuff in there as well. That's awesome. All right. So everybody run, check that out. And I appreciate you taking the time to come chat. It's always good hanging out. Yeah, we should do it again. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate being here. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to seedtime.com to get signed up. Knock, knock. Who's there? Leaf. Leaf who? Leaf us a review on iTunes, please. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Know we are praying for you, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>